Yes, haha, <laughs> yes. Yes, haha, <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug, Senscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tam Jancy. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's going good, going good. I thought we were going to change the winter tires off uh, yesterday there, but then it started to hail, so it's like, let's hold that thought. Are you after the hail stick at all, or no? No, but it's just like, we're reading it, it's like, okay, you probably shouldn't take them off until... Uh, it starts, it doesn't drop much below like five to seven degrees. And it's some of the mornings, it's still uh, getting down to just above freezing. So I think by next week, we'll probably be fine to take them off. But it was just a reminder that winter could come at any time. Now, do you guys have like proper winter tires? Or do you have yeah. all seasons? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you don't, you don't drive in Alberta without proper winter tires. Nah, who are we kidding? Sorry, that's just my, you know, Vancouver Island ignorance coming out of, you know, where we only have, you know, sun, rain, and two days of snow. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, for you guys, it's fine. Very much so. So, Tim, very excited to get this episode started today. Not only because we've got three games to talk about, not only because we got a fully loaded top of the hour to talk about, but we also got to talk about today's cover athlete. Because today's episode is Season 4, Episode 16, in chronological order. Episode 93, the Mika Zabenajad edition of the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. So, just a little backstory about Mika Zabenajad. He was drafted 6th overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2011. He went on to play 5 seasons with the Senators, recording 64 goals, 87 assists for 151 points in 281 games, before being traded to the New York Rangers in 2016, along with a 2018 second round pick for Derek Brizard. So, you know, Tim, I mean, we could probably spend this whole time talking about the fact that Zabinijad later developed into a superstar center for the New York Rangers. But honestly, I think we need to talk about his time with the Sens because I think this is one guy that I know in retrospect, fans would never want to trade him. But I, I think it was very, very short-sighted because obviously they needed somebody at center who was a little more... Didn't have, like, not so much talent-wise, but more of an all-around player that they needed. Obviously, Derek Brazard came up big in the 2017 playoffs for us, but I'd like to get your thoughts on Mika Benjamin's tenure as an Ottawa Senator. Well, I remember looking at that trade and thinking it was a little weird that we had that we ended up giving New York the extra second. His tenure as an Ottawa Senator was always fun, but it always left you leaving a li- wanting a little bit more because you knew he had that extra gear. And it's a shame that and you could see it coming along year after year as it, it started to develop. You got more electric play out of me because of managing that. So it's a shame that we gave up on him the year we did because look who was the first line center on the New York Rangers when we played him that year in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. And I think the one question that has to be brought up now, and I know that even at the time, like, I understood why the Sens made the trade. It was very, very short-sighted, like I said. But if the Ottawa Senators had won the Cup in 2017, does fans look at this trade differently? Probably. Like, uh, once you're te- like, any team that snaps a long 
cupless drought is going to be looked at as perfect, magical, whatever, statistics be damned. I think that, yeah, if the Sens had won the Cup or even just made the Cup Finals again, yeah, that trade would have been looked at totally differently. But also, I look at Mika's tenure with the Rangers and the fact is that that's really when the Rangers went on their... It wasn't even subtle. It was like it was a deep decline. Now they're in a rebuild where they have Lafreniere, they landed the bread man, and now they have Zibanejad. So they, the Rangers have a very promising future ahead of them, and it's going to be very exciting to see how far they go in the next couple of years when all their guys really develop. But well, what's funny about this year is they probably would have made the playoffs this year, or at least still be in contention for them, if Breadman wasn't hurt for most of the season. Because as soon as he came back, that was a different team. And then Adam Fox has really stepped into his own as well. So you've got a Rangers team that I think next year is going to make some noise. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I'm not sure how the NHL is going to do it next year. Are they going to go back to how they did with the original divisions? Are they going to go back with, like, say, the Atlantic, Northeast, all that good stuff? Because I know with this year with COVID, obviously, they've putting all the teams in like regional divisions because obviously with the up here in Canada, all 17 teams are in one division, all the Northeast teams altogether, stuff like that. So it'll be very interesting to see for next year. And well, what'll be funny is if in like in the U S their vaccination drives are, they're basically getting pretty darn close to uh, having more than a super majority of the population vaccinated as much as the New York times is trying to tell you it's still doom and gloom. They're basically done. Texas, despite having people in the stands, hasn't had another super spreader, major super spreader event. So I think in the U.S., you're probably going to see the teams pushing for the teams circulating at least through the U.S. again because they're going to have fans in the seats and the fans are going to want to see a variety of teams. So the American teams are going to be pushing for that. The question is, can Canada get shit together and actually get a reasonable vaccine rollout? Because what could honestly happen, it would be weird, is the Canadian teams play in the U.S. and they play in a normal season. Yeah, and there were some talks online about that for next year because I know that all the Canadian players, if I'm not mistaken, I think you might could you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that they're all vaccinated currently, right? Okay, so yeah, I can honestly see like the Sens and the Leafs and all the Canadian teams playing against the American teams next year. It will just be whether or not. Canada opens the border. So Tim, we gotta So Tim, let's talk about next week's cover athlete because next week's cover athlete will be for season four, episode seventeen, in chronological order, episode ninety-four, the Stanislav Nekar edition of the Third Line Plug Sensecast. How many guys does this guy play for the Senders? Well, I'll tell you one thing, Tim. We're gonna have to talk about that on next week's episode <laughs> when he is was one our cover athlete <laughs> so tim now that we got that all out of the way i've got to ask the question that i'm sure our listeners have been dying to hear all week how has your week been going pretty good i ended up buying pokemon snap for the switch over the weekend and it's been all right it's yeah. a nice turn your brain off and play game like it's nothing revolutionary it's like a seven out of ten good to pick up play for an hour put down 60 bucks though shout out to chelsea the unfortunate thing is nintendo shout out to chelsea yeah uh the unfortunate thing is nintendo doesn't like to do deals 
So, yeah, it's not coming down in price anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of shitty, but, I mean, that's the way it is, right? So. Yeah. Which is funny because it's, like, pretty much every other game company will basically price along the hype curve where, yeah, after, like, a few months or so, you'll start seeing the 20%, the 50%, et cetera, as you, the games have a longer Nintendo. You know, they, the most they did is they uh, started to bundle the Pokemon DLC with uh, Sword and Shield. But uh, other than that, no, they don't really do it. Okay. Is it a game that, say, if I went out and bought a Switch tomorrow, is it a game that I should buy right away or wait on it a little bit? You can wait on it a little, but I guess it also depends how much you like how much you like the N64 Pokemon Snap. Because if you like the 64 version, this is the 64 version, but more of it. The graphics, while not technically amazing, look good. Chelsea and I did make a, an error of hubris. I decided to put the game text to Japanese, and uh, it turns out you can't change it once you make that choice. Really? So uh, I'm plodding along in my third language. Eh. And, yeah, shouldn't have done that. You blew it. I mean, I understand what's going on. I just have to consult a dictionary every ten words or so. Oh, that's no good. <laughs> so, I guess I'll talk a little bit about my week. Because, honestly, the week overall has been pretty uneventful. Except for one thing in particular. Oh. And I know that I showed you before we hit record tonight... Today's episode is the very first episode of the Third Eye Plug Sensecast that features my brand new desk chair. Oh, fancy. So, this is me moving around, so obviously you can't really hear it. Remember remember I had my old chair and it's like... Every time you like, I like slightly move to the left, it was just like you could hear the thing creak. Honestly, after sitting in this chair for five minutes when I put it together, my first thought was, how in the hell did I ever sit in that old chair for four years doing this podcast, man? Like, this is just, this is like night and day right now. Well, you never notice how bad, like, a chair or a pair of shoes or anything that you use for a long period of time is until you swap it out. And then it's like, you go back to it for a minute or you just experience the new one. Like, the fuck was that? Like... Yeah, I remember I had like this pair, these pair of flats that I used to wear, and then uh, <clears throat> I swapped them out, and this feels so much better. And I went back to the old one just as like a slip-on player if I could take out the garbage, and my feet hurt when I put them on. I'm like, how did I deal with that? Yeah, that's true. And this is why I always wear skate shoes, man, because skate shoes are so comfortable when you put them on, and that's. I, I think I've I've had really uncomfortable skate shoes. Like I I will not buy Vans anymore because Vans are so uncomfortable on my feet. I don't know what it is. Like Vans has just always been that shoe that I've worn, and I've never really loved him. You Unlike, know, I always found Vans shitty for actual skateboarding too. So what's up with that? But personally, I'm a DC guy. I'm a DC shoes guy, man. If you get me to put on, like I bought two pairs last year. They're great. I love them. They're super comfortable. They were like a hundred bucks or something piece. But you know what? I believe that my dad put it best. He says, well, you know what, son? You pay for, you get for what you pay for. And I totally agree with him on that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I actually think the best pair of skate shoes I actually had were like those DC genetics they made back in like 05. And those were actually really good for like pushing on a board. So it was like 
these are comfy and they work. This is awesome. I was never a skateboarder. That's the only thing, man. Like, I wore the shoes and I wore the gear, but I never skateboarded. The closest I ever came to skateboarding was playing the Tony Hawk games back in the day. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah, I know uh, me and one of my buddies used to live down the street would uh, dick around on skateboards and bikes and stuff. I think I still have my crappy old skateboard in Duncan. Man, how old would that thing be right now? Uh, about 15. About 15? Yeah, and it... It was weird because it was probably too broad, so it was a pain in the ass to get it to do anything like an ollie or, an, or a kickflip or anything like that. Because like even my buddy was just like, yeah, this thing sucks. It's weird because it was like somewhere between a longboard and a proper skateboard. Mm-hmm. Like, so it was like more stable, but you couldn't do any tricks on it. But it wasn't like as stable or movement conserving as a longboard, so it was just in this weird, awkward middle spot. So I guess the moral of the story is, is don't buy your skateboard from Sport Mart. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> so Tim, let's talk about last week's episode. Because, you know, I thought it was a pretty decent episode we put out there. I know for myself, like, I was ready to go. I was all in. This week, not so much. I think I'm just kind of... I think one thing I didn't talk about on when we're talking about our week was that I was helping my stepdad work on the side of the house there yesterday. Because mm. we're putting it... We're the fuck were we doing we were digging up the stairs that we built can we had to kind of had to read we had to lower them a little bit and we oh, had like these geez. big stones and shit we put on them well and you you know it was a decent day outside i was like all right i'll have a couple beers and hang out well <laughs> a couple turned into eight and then the pink whitney broke out and next thing you know i got sick oh no and yeah i was Oh my god, I felt like crap. Like I do not remember the last time I felt that terrible. It might have been at like Christmas time. And I didn't even mean to get hammered, it just kinda happened. If that makes any sense. No, no. No, I get you, I get you. Yeah, so basically I was out for the count at like five o'clock in the afternoon, maybe or yeah, about five o'clock. Three o'clock this morning, I ended up waking up. <laughs> Jeez. That was just the worst, man. Like I, I've been up since like four thirty-five this morning our time because oh, you couldn't even get back to sleep on oh, the no. no, I was just like, no, this is not happening. Like I went to the gym this morning and I kind of gave it a half-ass effort. I'm just like, why am I doing this? Taylor, go home, go back to bed. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to hurt yourself. But, I know. Uh... This is why I don't drink coconut because coconut always does this to me. And it's why I never, yeah, like I used to drink it years ago, but I stopped drinking it after I discovered like Alexander Keith's and Miller High Life and some of the better beers out there. Kokanee was just the one I bought because it was like there. It's cheap. It's cheap and it was there. H- have I ever mentioned on this podcast, my stepdad, he worked at the Kokanee Brewery in Creston? Really? Yeah. So this is back, this is a hundred fucking years ago when he lived there. And yeah, he, so he worked at the brewery in Creston. He would tell me in the lunchroom. If you open the fridge, it was just full of kokini. Because you know how you go on the production line, they have, like, the fucked up cans or fucked up bottles where you can't sell them? They would put them in the fridge and let the employees have at them. So he said, yeah, it was not uncommon to see guys pie-eyed at, like, 2.30 in the afternoon. Well, you have to wonder what the hell they were... Well, I guess it's, like, what their role, the manufacturing process is. The factory could keep going even though uh, some percentage of your staff is blitzed. I know. I'm trying to remember, what was the episode of The Simpsons when Homer and Barney went to the Duff Brewery and he sees Phil, the guy in the production line, he goes, 
fine, 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 head, fine, fine, syringe, fine, ear, fine. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, oh, you know what? You're doing a great job, Phil. Ah, oh, thanks a lot. And you see all the fucking beers go by him. You see, like, Hitler's head in a jar and all that crap. <laughs> oh, that's just too good. So good. Actually, you know what's also good, Tim? I found out there's a King of the Hill podcast called Order of the Straight Arrow podcast. They're based out of Vancouver Island. Really? They're based out of, I think they're based out of Nanaimo because they, I was listening to one of their episodes today and they mentioned White Sails, which is like a brewery in Nanaimo. It's right across, I think, from, uh, not Beacon Park. One of the parks in Nanaimo. Anyway, yeah, it's right, right across. I've been there before. It's actually really nice. And it's right across, so they kind of mentioned that, and I was like, oh, man, these guys must be from the island, because White Sails is a Nanaimo company. Yeah, and most people don't go to Nanaimo unless they're from the island or have a reason to be there. Yeah. As my buddy would say, Nanaimo is the Hamilton, Ontario of Vancouver Island. It really fucking is. It really is, Tim. Does that make Duncan Oakville? Isn't Oakville where all the rich people live? No, I... I think, no, I think it's... That was Burlington. You know like what? Burlington, Oakville are right next to each other. Honestly, we'd have to we have to we'd have to ask Adam. We'd have to reach out to him, see what he thinks. So he, he's gonna tell us. Oh, he's gonna tell us, and I hope hope to God maybe, maybe we're the Welland. Okay, fine, New Tukamesh. Adam, well, I guess he, it's like no, it can't be New Tukamesh because it has to be on the road from uh, Toronto to Bur- sorry, Toronto to uh, Hamilton, and it can't be Burlington or Oakville. Mimico. I don't know. Yeah, it's like, but I actually don't know the last time I've been in Nanaimo proper. Because, like, last year I was at Duke Point. That doesn't count, but No, that's, that's outside the city. Yeah, that's, like, so, right right before you come into the city. Yeah. Um, yeah, because Departure Bay is in this, it's, like, just off the city, so. Yeah. Well, it's funny because... Uh, Chelsea and I were going to meet some friends in Vancouver before we continued on Kamloops. Mm-hmm. And my original plan was like, okay, we'll go from Departure Bay to West Van and then just take the Granville Bridge in. I didn't make my ferry reservation early enough. Departure Bay was completely booked. Duke Point had some vacancies at the 7 a.m. sailing. Oh, that's brutal. That ended up working out, though. That's good. Yeah, well, la- like- I was trying to think. I think one of the last times I was, at, I, I was at Departure Bay, I missed my ferry over to Vancouver. And so there's a little dive bar at, like across the street. You know exactly what I'm talking about. That little dive bar that's like attached to the fucking parking lot. Yeah. I went there. I had a couple beers. I had some to eat. And I noticed that they have all the, the NFL helmets along the wall. And nice. it's it's a slight little touch that I really appreciated. The helmets themselves, they were organized by division. I don't, I don't know why I appreciated that because I looked, I saw the Seahawks one. I see like the 49ers one was next to it, the Rams one was next to it, and the Cardinals one was next to it. I was like, oh, that's the NFC West, sweet. Oh, that's a really nice touch. Um, I can appreciate that. Apparently, that bar is popular with the VIU crowd. I guess I'm not surprised because like dive bar pretty close to the school mm. so i don't know is vi is viu really close to departure bay everything's close to the i guess so thanks 
So, Tim, I don't really have much of a segue out of here, so we're just going to go ahead and segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. So, you know, Tim, if you ever look on Twitter or you read some of the hockey media stuff, you'll always notice that it's so heavily loaded of the other Ontario team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I know some people will be listening to this episode be like, but what about the Leafs? Well, we're going to start off top of the hour by talking about the Leafs. Toronto Maple Leafs forward Joe Thornton became 7th on the all-time assist list with his 1,110th assist versus the Montreal Canadiens. Thornton, drafted first overall by the Boston Bruins in 1997, has recorded 4 goals, 11 assists for 15 points, and 37 games for Toronto at the time of the story. Although this is definitely more of a Joe Thornton story. Well, he plays for the Leafs, right? So it is a Leafs story for sure. It's kind of crazy to think that Joe Thornton has been playing since the time you could buy an N64 off the shelf at Walmart. I know. It's crazy that, you know, at the time you could buy an N64, and I think either at or around that same time was when Diddy Kong 64 came out. No, Diddy Kong Kong Racing. Yeah. I don't think Ocarina of Time was out yet. No, Ocarina was 98. Yeah, it's just like, when you look at that, you're just like, wait, this guy's been playing for over 20 years. Almost 25. Yeah. Yeah. 97, that next year will be 25 years. And that really just puts Patrick Marlowe's achievement into context. Because I think Marlowe was drafted later. Second overall? Yeah, it was just like, sorry, I mean later in time. Nope, same year. Same year, really? Same year, yeah, he was, one, yeah, he was oh, selected okay. right after Thornton. Right. So, like, it just goes to show you how how little time Marlowe left injury so we got another Toronto Maple Leafs story to talk about and again you know this one still hurts me a little bit because I will never fully accept that he's now a Leaf Toronto Maple Leafs forward Jason Spezza has tied Maurice Bouchard for 99th on the all-time point list with 966 Spezza drafted second overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2001 has recorded 10 goals 16 assists for 26 points and 47 games for Toronto at the time of the story Whenever I see someone pass Maurice Richard on a list, I'm like, holy crap. But then I always forget that Maurice Richard never passed a thousand games. Oh, and that is what boggles my mind. But Jason Spence has had a hell of a career, not to sell him short. No, not to sell him short at all. But I think he's one of these guys that I don't know if we will fully appreciate Spezza until his career is fully over. Because I know for, like, he, we, and we've talked about this in the past, like, he got so much crap and heat from the Sens fans in the past. He comes to Toronto, and it looked like he was just washed up when he arrived because Mike Babcock just didn't play him very much. So Leaf fans are like, well, this is really sad. Why do we have him? And then Cheryl and Keith comes in, starts playing him. He starts doing really well for Toronto. So I am happy for Spets that he can continue his career like that, but I will not be happy for the fact he plays for the Leafs. As much as Ian Mendes can be. Which, I mean, credit to him that he can kind of look past the team rivalries and see the humans behind the face, right? That's true, but still, he's a Leaf. That that just makes me sad. (laughs) I'm sorry, Ian, but it's true. 
Closing out the Toronto Maple Leafs portion of this episode, the Toronto Maple Leafs forward Austin Matthews moved into a tie alongside Ron Stewart for 10th on the Leafs' all-time game winning goals list with 34. Matthews, drafted first overall by the Toronto Maple Leafs in 2016, has recorded 36 goals, 24 assists for 60 points in 46 games for Toronto at the time of the story. Okay, so, you know, Matthews is one of these guys that... When his name gets brought up on top of the hour, I always kind of struggle of what can we really say about him this time? Because we've talked about him so much, like, what new can we do? I found something new we can talk about with him. Uh-huh. So, it's funny, and it has to relate to this story, because I'm going to bring something up for you. Mm-hmm. So, when I was doing this story for top of the hour, I did what any normal human being would do when doing that. I typed in his name in Google. Uh-huh. I'm going to show... I'm going to bring this up in screen... In, in my share screen, if I can actually find... There you are. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to share my screen. Just give me one sec. Okay. Tell me what is wrong with his name. Wait. Did they... Did Wikipedia spell his name wrong? Nope. That's how his middle name is spelt. I have never seen Taylor spelt with a U. Never before have I never hated Austin Matthews more than I found out that the Matthews family clearly can't fucking spell. Like, seriously, okay, if you can't spell it, don't name it. How hard is this? I think for me, and I think this is the only reason why I get so upset, is because, okay, if you can't spell one name, that's fine. Okay, Austin, not an overly common name, that's fine, whatever. I would like to know... How exactly do you spell Taylor L-O-U-R? What in the he- in the fuck holy hell is that shit? Yeah. I guess he's just... His parents got full on in the 90s spelled a name different fat. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to belabor the point too much. His parents thought it was cool. He probably thinks his parents thinking his name is cool is cool, so he leaves it as... But uh, I guess the thing that's funny is here's a guy who's scoring 34 goals in a season that only that's only been about 50 games so far, and it's still being overshadowed by the fact that Connor McDavid has normal season length numbers. You know what? I'm going to say right now. I really hope that Connor McDavid goes to 100 points and wins every fucking award here. You know, I don't know why. Because last time I checked, the McDavid's knew how to spell his name correctly. Oh, come on. I'm Let's sorry, say- but you know what? You know, maybe if the maybe if the Matthews family spelt Tim wrong, maybe you would have a problem with that. But I don't know. It's just me. I've never I never thought at 29 years old I would see myself caring. But here we are. Like Taylor's not a common like it's not an overly common name. There's only two ways to spell it. Three apparently if you're the Matthews family. But you know. No, it's like Austin Matthews is having a very good season. But then it's just McDavid's just like... Uh, and even Dreisaitl is on a tear too, eh? He is, man. Like, McDavid, Dreisaitl, like, those guys are just insane. I don't understand how Edmonton isn't running away, the division, running away with the division with those two. Honestly, when has been the last time we saw a team with two guys who were very close to the same kind of talent. I'm not saying that Dreisaitl is equal to McDavid, because McDavid is like a next-level guy. 
Crosby Malkin. I was going to go a little further back. Lemieux and Yager circa 1996. Lemieux and Yager. I guess if you want to get re- if you want to get real spicy and piss off Vancouver fans, you would say Gretzky and Messier. Yeah, that's not a bad comparison. I, maybe even Sakic Forsberg. Sakic Forsberg, especially with the dual center, right? Yeah, but at that point, you could also say Iserman Fedorov too. Or even a, were Iserman and Zetterberg on the same team? No. 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 Yes, they were, but Eisenman, I think, was like later day career at that later point. Later day, yeah. Yeah. So if if it's cool with you, Tim, we're actually going to segue away from talking about the Lees by talking about the real Ontario team, the Ottawa Senators. Because, you know, and usually we're talking there, I would say the Sen stories for last, but this one was just kind of cool. And I know some people are going to start laughing when they hear this, but you know what? He moved into a tie for a franchise goal record, and damn it, we are going to include him. Ottawa Senators defenseman Victor Mete has moved into a tie for 64th on the franchise goal list by defenseman with, wait for it, one goal. Players also involved with said tie include Andy Sutton, Ben Harper, and point-per-game legend Pat Seeloff. I thought Pat Seeloff played two games. That's what I said. He's Only a- it was point-per-game, right? But, uh, yeah, when you include the story, I was just like, Hey, is this just a way of saying that he's joined the Senators defenseman who scored a goal? I'm sorry, were you asking me or were you telling me? I think I'm telling you at this point. So you're an expert? Yes. You said you saw it, you said you were there, you know, and then you're you're an expert? You know, this doesn't work when the person just like, Chad guesses you. Because it just derails the whole Eddie Sutton trying to trade wreck the other guy by sending the trade out of it the same direction. But it's just like, it's one goal. It's kind of weird. And saying he's in tie for 64th doesn't actually tell you how many defensemen the Senators have had who have scored a goal. I think the fact is is that that list is actually quite extensive because it involves Yaros, Harper, Seeloff, I think Jason Smith, if I'm not mistaken. Smith really didn't play many games. No, he didn't. Uh, there's a couple other defensemen on that list too, but... Still, if he moved into the list, Tim, we got to include him in the story. It's true, it's true. Now, we got to talk about an Edmonton Oiler that we actually just talked about a few minutes ago because he just moved into first on a point list. Edmonton Oilers defenseman Leon Dreisaitl has moved past Marco Sturm for most points by a German-born player in the NHL with 488. Dreisaitl, drafted third overall by the Edmonton Oilers in 2014, has recorded 23 goals, 43 assists for 66 points in 46 games for Edmonton at the time of the story. I think the one cool thing about Dreisel, Tim, is that I'm not surprised that he reached first on that list. I think the big question for me being a Sens fan, where is... Obviously, he hasn't finished his first year yet, but is Tim Stutzla possibly going to be number two in the list by the time both these guys' careers over? I think quite possibly, because like for Tim Stutzla, the sky's the limit. But Marco Sturm, he had himself a career. Like, not a superstar career by any means, but he was a very solid player from a country that didn't produce a lot of players at the time. Like, uh, the last, the other, only other German player from Marco Sturm's era that really comes to mind for me is uh, Christoph Schubert. 
Ooh, I was going to say, what about Christian Erhoff? Or Erhoff, yeah. Actually, now that I know this technically doesn't count because he was raised in Canada. What about Danny Heatley? Because Heater was born. Heater was born in Germany. Yeah, I forgot that he was born there. Uh, but guys like Marco Sturm, Heater, Erhoff, and uh, Schubert really paved the way for a generation of very strong German talent. And I think guys like Dreisaitl and Stutzla are the next wave that's going to really get a lot more German talent into the league. One thing I noticed the other day is that Hockey Night in Canada now broadcasts in German, eh? And Canada's German-speaking population isn't actually that big. And I think a lot of that is it's an international production. Really? Yeah. So they were talking about on the first intermission where Coach Corner used to be, they were talking about... uh, yeah, there's people in Germany watching the German production of Hockey Night in Canada. They also showed a few of the other languages that they uh, produce Hockey Night in Canada and include Cantonese, Mandarin, German. I think they do Spanish. I don't think they do Portuguese. They don't do Japanese, and they do a bunch of languages. Uh, P- Punjabi. Well, Punjabi, I know they do. Oh, yeah, because the Bonino call is famous. Oh, yeah. Because you could tell the caster was about to jump out of his seat. It's so good. Uh, it's so good. But yeah, it's like, this is the sort of thing that you just keep building and building. Like, now you've got a very accessible way to watch hockey for uh, people who speak German, people who live in Germany. Just watching it over the internet, you have a high-quality native language production. And that lowers the bar. Sorry, that lowers the barrier to entry even more. So I think that we're going to see more very good German players coming down the pipeline yeah so it wouldn't be too surprising is that the next five to ten years if say the del is maybe the next gold mine for european players coming over right because tim stutzler played over i don't think dry settle played in the del i, I stutzler did he play for Mannheim, but i don't know it'd be really interesting by the way quick shout out to Mannheim because i actually like their their blue eagle jerseys those are kind of cool i'll have to give them a look out yeah actually you know what i do gotta admit that's the one thing that the del has done well is it has a really cool creative look to their jerseys i'm gonna have to just look up manheim hc here no that's not a url no okay Jim. but uh yeah i don't look at a lot of uh del stuff because if i am looking at european leagues you usually get like uh sel you do get some bundesliga Okay, uh, I'm going to look it up on not Google because the first thing Image Search gave me was a picture of Mein Kampf. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe don't do that. Don't do that. Maybe don't do that. So, Tim, while you're looking up that jersey, <laughs> let's move on to the next word because this is a story that is pretty serious and I wish you would stop laughing because this is actually a very serious story. And Sorry, it's just it's okay. No, it's it's all good, man. But yeah, this is a story. Cop, I'm looking for a goddamn hockey jersey. Okay, I found the actual jersey. Okay, we can cool this shit. Uh, where's it? God damn it! Why won't Wikipedia give me the goddamn image now? You could have just typed in Tim Stutzla oh. Mannheim. I I could have. Oh, that is a nice jersey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like him. So this story actually 
technically, if it had to come out maybe a couple of hours later, it would most likely have missed the cut for top of the hour. But because it is such a ser- such a serious story, we got to talk about it. Vancouver Canucks forward Jake Vertanen has been put on a leave of absence from the team following allegations of sexual misconduct. The Canucks issued a statement issued a statement stating that they do not accept sexual misconduct of any kind and that they will engage external expense to assist in an independent investigation. Vertanen, drafted sixth overall by the Vancouver Canucks in 2014, has recorded five goals in 38 games for Vancouver this season. It's insane to even comment on an ongoing investigation that could have any sort of uh, legal repercussions for anyone. True, and I think the sad because thing... that's how you get yourself in court and sued in the first place. It is true, but you know what? I, I hate to say it. If the allegations turn out to be true, I, I might be the minority. This might be a bit of a hot take. I think Jake Furtan's hockey career is over because I don't think there's going to be a team out there that would want to touch him because, honestly, he doesn't have much to show or prove in the NHL, right? He, and I think the Canucks... The Canucks really rushed him into the NHL real quickly, but I think it was also another thing of the Canucks rushed him, but how much of it was Bertanen himself? Because he had all the tools, he was a good skater, great shot, he just couldn't or wouldn't put it together in the NHL. Yeah, I'm not even going to touch that. Yeah. Because it's too, it's too charged, we don't actually have any particulars uh we'll just wait for the canucks to do their internal investigation and i think suspending them until the investigation is done is probably the right call uh i'm not a lawyer so uh nothing i say obviously has any legal advice that's just from kind of a moral standpoint no, that's perfectly fine, Tim. And yeah, that's why I only made the one comment. Like I, other than that, I don't really have much to comment because it's still ongoing. There's only allegations, so we're gonna have to keep an eye on that, and we will talk about it again in talk of the hour. Yeah. So we're gonna move over to our next story, and this is one that really actually caught my eye because you know when we went through all of the stuff with Bobby Ryan last year when he took a leave of absence from the team to attend rehab, and he came back, and all the good stuff happened for him in Ottawa. I immediately thought. Of this, when I read this story, Montreal Canadiens have placed forward Johnson Drew on an LTIR and announced he will be taking an indefinite leave of absence from the team for personal reasons. Drew Ann recorded two goals, 21 assists for 23 points in 44 games for Montreal this season. So, in no way am I saying that the stuff with Bob will happen to Bobby Ryan is what's happening for him, but. I do gotta feel for Drew and because he's taking such a beating from Habs fans right now when the story came out. What's insane is Dominic Ducharme's comments I I think he made them with the best of intentions but Ducharme mentioning the pressure of playing in Montreal really colors this in a way that it's like Drew Ann couldn't handle it, which I think is really unfortunate because I think Ducharme was doing what he thought was best for his best to protect his player, but I think that might have just turned the heat up on him. So, like, I hope for the best for Drew Ann and uh, yeah, just leave the guy alone. We don't really know what's going on. Yeah, and it's really sad, right? Because Drew Ann really had two strikes against him when he came to Montreal, was that. 
He was a top three pick, and he was French-Canadian. Unless you're Guy Lafleur or you're Patrick Waugh, and you can come in immediately and just dominate, the Hab fans are so hard on you, especially if you're French-Canadian. Because, And you look down that, why do you think so many French-Canadians have really not played for Montreal? It's the same way for years. Why did a lot of Ontarians never play for the Leafs? Because the fans are so hard on them when they make a mistake. Because the microscope's on you that much more. Yeah, well, it's... I imagine it's the same thing as uh, being a British player playing for, like, Arsenal, Liverpool, or Manchester. That microscope is on you. Or even Manchester United. Oh, I said Manchester, yeah. Oh, did you? Okay, I thought you said Manchester. Actually, could I ask you real quickly, did you read anything about that proposed Super League that they were trying to form over in Europe? That... It was so weird. I get what they were going for. But the way they approached it was just so shoddy. Like, they announced it on a Friday. It, it's clear they got no buy-in from anyone. No. And then just the hammer comes down. And then as soon as the hammer came down, uh, you have, uh, I think it was the president of Real Madrid comes out on Spanish radio and says it's dead. Yeah, I know. Like, I don't mind the idea having more competition. More competition in leagues and soccer seems like a good idea, especially given how corrupt FIFA can be. Mm-hmm. But it's just, man, they did not go about that the right way, and I can see uh, why Europeans would be skeptical of an American-style sports league in Europe, especially because you do have that idea that if your team is good enough, you can rise all the way up the table. Well, an American sports league obviously doesn't have that. I can see why there was resistance to it. And I think that resistance might have been surmountable if it didn't look like, oh, here go the big six teams of the UK and the big four in in Spain talking behind closed doors and then just announcing it on a Friday out of nowhere. It's like the mix of how they came together with the league behind closed doors and then just blindsiding people with it left a bad taste in people's mouths and that is just really bad marketing and PR I can see the Super League being a Harvard Business Review case study in years forward yeah as it in the sense of Target being a Harvard Business sorry Target in Canada being a Harvard Business Review case for years going forward because, do you remember Target in Canada? I do remember Target in Canada. And just how bad of, like, that massive flopping rollout. Yep. Yeah, the, that's being taught in business schools is what not to do. Yeah, well, I know there's a, a guy on YouTube, and he does a series called Abandoned, and he did a whole one on Target Canada. And they actually talked to the guy at Seaway, I think Seaway Mall, or Seaway Mall in Welland. Shut up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he talked about, because that was like the big anchor store, apparently for that mall, was Target, because that's when like Zellers went out of business, and Target came in. I think the reason why Target failed is because, unlike Zellers, they didn't have that food court. Just saying. (laughs) The Zellers tuna melt, man. It was low-key underrated. So let's move on to our next story, because this actually involves the 32nd active franchise in the National Hockey League. The Seattle Kraken officially became the 32nd active franchise in the NHL on October 30th following their final expansion payment being 
processed. This is cool because now Seattle can start making side deals. They can start signing undrafted free agents. They can start trying. I think they could just start signing free agents. So there's a lot of stuff that I think is going to happen. Maybe even before the playoffs are done. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we see a root, a Reed Duke type signing that Vegas did mm-hmm. where they sign a guy who was went undrafted hoping that maybe he turns into something. You might see teams that are out of the playoffs but kind of worried about the expansion draft starting to make their side deals with Seattle. And yeah, there's a lot of potential for good moving pieces here. Yeah, or maybe Seattle does the ultimate Grand Slam try and move. They wait until Alex Ovechkin hits free agent and they throw all the money at him. I don't I doubt he hits free agency. I, I I doubt it too, but you know what? Maybe you never know. Maybe Ovechkin does as a power move for, for, to the Caps, right? And they say, what kind of money can we get him? Because I, I don't know the Caps cap situation right now, but can you imagine if Alex Ovechkin did like what LeBron James did ten years ago, where he goes and talks to like other teams and then makes a decision? I don't know. It's like I don't know Ovechkin enough to know if he'd do that or not. Yeah. Or he just does the ultimate fuck you and leaves for the KHL. That would shock the hockey world right there if Alex Ovechkin's just like, you know what? I'm gonna go finish out my hockey career in the KHL. Do you think it would be a bigger shocker than the Kovalchuk bolting to the KHL? Hard to say. And that's a good question. I'm not too sure. I think maybe. But I think it was. I think the Kovalchuk was a big one. A, because of the big contract he just signed. If Ovechkin just left, because he's 36 or whatever he is right now. Yeah, if he just says, you know what? Because what does he have to prove right now, other than maybe the Gretzky goal list? That's all he maybe he has to accomplish in the NHL. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. Because yeah. yeah, if he just goes back to the KHL, it'd be like holy crap. But also makes sense. Yeah, maybe Putin throws all the money and gets him to play for like uh, CSKA, that team that Colby played for. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I still think we have a few good years left to go Ovechkin, and I really hope we get to see him in the NHL. I hope so. Let's move on to our next story. Now, you know, for the last number of years, Tim, NBC has held the American NHL rights for a number of years that previously, I think ABC had, Fox had, ESPN had. Well, now we have a new player in the game, Tim. The NHL and Turner Sports have reached a seven-year agreement for the second block of the U.S. media rights. TNT will have the rights to three out of the next seven Stanley Cup finals, half of half of the other rounds each season and all seven winter classics and up to 72 nationally televised regular season games per season. TNT does a really good job with the NBA. Mm-hmm. So I hope that they can recruit a similar level of talent for the NHL. I imagine their first year is probably going to be pretty rocky, but uh, honestly though, Shaq and Charles Barkley has a duo you can't beat that. It's true, man. Like, the, like I don't even watch basketball, and I watch their clips on YouTube. They're hilarious. Those yeah. guys are so good to eat for each other. Like, imagine if you got, like... Like, if TNT goes into their setup with the same mindset, mm-hmm. it'll be phenomenal. I'm trying to think of who they could get. I was thinking maybe Lawan. 
Luongo and Mathot would be fun. True, but you know what? Luongo's with Hockey Canada. I think he, I think it works for the Panthers, too. And obviously, Mark Mathot's got the Wally Mathot show. Which Okay, sorry. Side note here. I was listening to the Wally Mathot show about a week or so ago. Brent Wallace. He let me down, man. What did he do? So, can I ask you something real quick? How do you uh-huh. how do you personally like your steaks? Rare to medium rare depends on the cut. Would you eat a steak well done? There are some cuts that do appreciate being cooked well done. Brent Wallace likes his steaks well done. He's caught so much flack on Twitter over that comment. And you know what? Everybody's right. That's a terrible way. You shouldn't be doing that, man. That's like... It's like what Hank Hill says. He goes, uh... uh give with... Uh, fuck, I don't remember how he talks about steaks. But Han- Bobby's like, well, what if they like theirs well done? Well, we asked them politely to leave. <laughs> so, actually, I want to talk a little bit about this turner sports deal because you know and i I think a lot of people might they might be a little bit confused as to why tnt now holds the rights given that they're mostly known for their basketball coverage but the thing is is that turner a lot of people might forget like they've had they have a history with hockey because when the atlanta thrashers came in who was one of the guys that helped found that team it was ted turner Right. Ted Turner, and you know what? TNT and TBS, like they have a history of putting sports on. Like they had the Atlanta Braves for so many years. The Atlanta Hawks were on there. The Thrashers were on there, obviously with wrestling. They had it with WCW, and now TNT has AEW in the United States. We've got up here in TSN. It's awesome. But yeah, I'm not surprised, and I was actually kind of happy that Turner got it because they have a long history in sports. And I think up here in Canada, we kind of maybe take that for granted a little bit because we didn't get to see a lot of that coverage. So, I, no, this is a really good deal, and I'm really happy to see that Turner has actually gotten into hockey for a second time. <laughs> and, yeah, no, Turner's got a huge media profile because uh, they also hold Peachtree down in the States. Yep. So, yeah, it's it's a really big group that's working with that and i think peach tree itself like it's very popular down in the south so it might be another way to kind of broaden the game a bit yeah especially yeah exactly not especially if they start playing you know because tampa bay is really one of the huge teams right now maybe they start producing some of their games on on the nhl on tnt yeah like if you got Tampa, florida is doing really well this season as well so if you get a tampa yeah. florida rivalry going and, and they're both good teams going forward yeah and carolina yeah that's money like the southeast teams are really good right now yeah and honestly turner or tnt would be stupid not to do that right in the yeah. same way that nbc they produced chicago pittsburgh and boston for how many years up in the northeast yeah no, like, I would love to see Turner just going hard on those teams, maybe include Dallas. Yeah, you've got... Oh, and Nashville's been good for a long time, too, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, you've got a lot of culturally important south, southern cities. Yep, and now you got a brand-new team in Seattle, too, right? So, hey, it's going to be great. Southern cities. I know I know <laughs> you said southern, you smartass. No, I know that, but no, you also got Seattle too, right? And Seattle's up in the Pacific Northwest, mm. so you got theirs. So, 
honestly, the only thing I ask either of ESPN, because they held the first block, either them or TNT, please bring back Gary Thorne. That's all I ask. You bring back Gary Thorne, Bill Clement, people will eat that shit up in the United States. Oh, yeah. I guess the other thing that you could do is, uh, for ESPN's first game, can we get Mickey Mouse getting a slap shot to the nuts? ESPN, owned by Disney. They can work it out. It's true. So, Tim, we've got a couple of retirements we got to talk about. And the first retirement we're going to talk oh. about is Anaheim Ducks goalie. What the fuck was that? That was Chelsea making a Mickey Mouse laugh. <laughs> this is the goody episode. This is so good. <laughs> this is why Chelsea's the true MVP, Tim. Because of stuff like this. It's so good. And speaking of Mickey Mouse, though, Tim, we got to talk about the team that Mickey started all those years ago. The Anaheim Ducks, their goalie, Ryan Miller, has announced his retirement from the NHL at the age of 40, effectively at the end of the season. Miller, drafted 138th overall by the Buffalo Sabres in 1999, played parts of 18 seasons with four teams, the Buffalo Sabres, St. Louis Blues, Vancouver Canucks, and Anaheim Ducks, recording a 390, 289, and 87 record with a .914 save percentage and a 264 goals against average. Miller won the Vesna Trophy in 2010 alongside with a silver medal at the 2010 Winter Olympics, where he was also named Tournament MVP. Ryan Miller is such an interesting player because I think he is right on the edge of being a Hall of Famer just because he's been part of so many historic events. But he wasn't like a like a major, you thought of him being the main part of it, but he was like a major part of it nonetheless. Like, he was part of Crosby's Golden Bowl in the Olympics. Like, he is the best born American goalie, but he's never won a Stanley Cup. I don't think, has he played a cup finals? Nope. The closest he came... Nope. Uh, he came close twice, 0506 and 0607 with Buffalo. Yeah, so it's just like, here's this player who is fantastic. He's always been the bridesmaid, but never the bride. Yeah. I think the big question for me, and I want to get your take on this, Tim. Had Ryan Miller played in a bigger market, say like the Rangers or LA, or if he played in Boston or one of these bigger cities, is he a Hall of Famer today with those stats? I think he's. I think if he had a piece like one of the other pieces of hardware, like a Stanley Cup or the Olympic gold medal, not an Olympic silver, and sorry, like knocked out in the third round of the playoffs. Yeah, I think he'd be a Hall of Famer, no doubt. I think he's on the lip of being a Hall of Famer because his stat line is good. Yeah, he's like the last two teams he played for were abhorrent. Yeah, he's just he's a borderline one. He's a borderline Hall of Famer. I think I'd include him just because it's like here there's a bunch of historic stuff that happened around Ryan Miller and you could make a pretty good Ryan Miller exhibit and it would touch on a lot of the really important stuff that happened over the last 20 years and it was just and Ryan Miller was here it'd almost be like the Forrest Gump of hockey no that's Jamie McLennan true yeah hey man Noodles was there when Kid Rock debuted all summer long to him True story. You got, listen to that. If I'm going to recommend an episode of All in the Thought, go listen to that episode with Jamie McClain because he talks about that story. It was awesome. I love that story so much. 
So we actually got to talk about the other retirement this week. Former Chicago Blackhawks and Montreal Canadiens forward Andrew Shaw announced his retirement at the announced his retirement from the NHL at the age of 29. Shaw, drafted 139th overall by Chicago in 2011, played parts of 10 seasons in the NHL, recording 116 goals, 131 assists for 247 points in 544 games, while winning two Stanley Cups in 2013 and 2015 with the Chicago Blackhawks. I actually forgot to add that he won two cups in Chicago when, when I was writing this up. So I actually am... I can't believe that Andrew Shaw is only a year older than us. It, one, that's kind of crazy. I thought he was older. But two, you know what I think of when I think of Andrew Shaw? Do you recall the 2015 Western Conference Finals, Anaheim and Chicago? I think... Who was in goal? Is that Freddie? Or was it John Gibson? I can't remember. One of the Ducks goalies. He made us. I think he made a stop. The puck went up in the air. Andrew Shaw saw it. He jumped up and headed it into the net, and they didn't didn't call it. I, I don't remember that at all. But that's fucking hilarious. Well, you would remember like, I when Andrew Shaw was older. Well, here's the thing. You will remember yeah, that it was that. repeated a few years later with Colin White. Right, and then they disallowed it. Yep, and Andrew Shaw was the first I guy do to do that. Honestly, I love when guys push the frontiers of the rules and get a, get away with it. Although Matt Duchesne will be forever cursed for that offside goal. Oh, yeah. Totally. He'll totally be cursed for that. But no, I think that's really cool, man. Like The guy played 10 years. He won two cups. I do understand his reasoning. He said that doctors told him, he says, listen, like you can't do this anymore, man. Cause you were dealing with concussions and the potential, you know, CTE and all this stuff. So I'm not surprised that he retired. Not a bad way to go out though. No. Two cups. He played 10 seasons. Round, that's pretty good. For a guy who's dropping the fifth round, two cups and getting a 20 gold season. That's a hell of a career. Not bad Good for him. As much as he got under our team, under the Sens' feathers. Yeah, well, now that Alex Romanoff kid is doing the same thing. And we're going to talk about that fight later on tonight because that's a <laughs> good one. So let's move on to the last three stories for top of the hour. Hockey Canada has named former Vegas Golden Knights head coach Gerard Gallant the head coach for the 2021 IIHF World Hockey Championships in Riga, Latvia. Gallant will be joined by former Vegas Gold Knight assistant Mike Kelly and Ottawa 67's head coach Andre Tourigny. You knew he wasn't going to be gone for long. No. No, I'm not surprised. And you know what? You wait, you wait till next season. First head coach that gets fired. Gerard Gallant will replace him. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he's heading up the Kraken. I, yeah, I was going to say, is I think, who is their head coach? Is it Ron Francis? Or is he the GM? Ron, Ron Francis is the GM. I don't think they've named a head coach yet. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the Kraken. Like, that would be a huge fit because, you know, he has the success with the Vegas Golden Knights their first year. But I don't think he's going to have the same team in Vegas. That's the only thing they had in Seattle. No, but I think just by the structure of the entry draft he's going to have a good team it's not gonna be dave talon gives him a bona fide of first line good yeah 
I think that's bullshit that Vegas is getting is being exempt for the expansion draft though. It's so stupid. Like you're an NHL team. You're not you're not supposed to be exempt. I get I think that was part of the rules before Vegas even entered because they were intending to bring in two teams over four years. So that was part of the rules, and I don't think they foresaw Vegas being as good as they were. And you can't exactly go back on that. True, but it's not like Vegas would lose a Mark Stone. Like, fuck, who would they lose in that? They might lose maybe a Flurry, Possibly yeah. uh I, I don't want to say Pacioretty, but they might lose, say, William Carlson, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Because I think the rationale was, oh, these guys are going to be like jackets. They'll have no bone of value anyway. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that didn't end up pass, coming to pass. So, I get what they were going for. Yep. It's just uh, <laughs> the, the Knights were better than anyone thought they would be. Yeah, you and I would be the first to admit to that, Tim. New York Islanders forward Matthew Barzell has been fined $2,000 for his second diving infraction of the season during their game versus the Washington Capitals. Barzell has recorded 12 goals, 26 assists for 38 points in 48 games for the New York Islanders at the time of the story. You know, people used to call Sidney Crosby a flopper, Mm -hmm. but he never got two fines in one season. No, he just whined to the refs a lot and got 100 penalty minutes his first year. <laughs> Fair enough, but it's just like, to get fined for flopping, you gotta be doing it a lot. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and, and it's the funny thing, it's not like with someone like Tim Stutzla, who you could basically just nudge him over and he would fall down. Because he's not physically strong enough yet to take that shit from, especially during Montreal, and we're going to talk about that later, but... Matt Barzell, like, he's such a good player, and it's a shame that he has to dive. Yeah. Because he is such a good player, and yes, that's a good comparison. You brought Crosby, but I think Crosby, I think, was more known as a whiner more than a diver. He definitely had some really egregious dives. There's no question about that, but I just think, imagine if Crosby was a rookie today, and he tried to dive against a guy like... Brady to Chuck. Because remember when Scott Lighton did it last year? Remember oh, Scott Chuck lost his mind. Lawton dived and Brady jumped on top of him. And I've always thought that's going to happen one day. That a guy's just going to jump on top of him and start beating the crap out of him for diving. Yeah, no. You can't be doing shit like that. No, nah, man. Alright. Oh, we got one more piece of sense news. We do. We're going to close out top of the hour by talking about... Our Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators have signed forward Robbie Urvente to a three-year entry-level contract. Urvente, drafted 33rd overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2020, has recorded 14 goals, 11 assists for 25 points in 48 games for Livas in Finland this season. And Robbie's looked good doing it. From limited clips that I've been able to see, he's looked very good in the Elite League. There was a lot of Sorry, in the Finnish Elite League, there's been a there was a lot of worries around. Ah, uh, he's in Robert Finland. Urbent. Pardon? He's in Finland. Oh, Finland, crap. It's okay. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of concern about Roby being an overager when we drafted him, mm-hmm. but see that it's actually turning into a contract is a good sign. You know what I took as a good sign though, Tim? 
if you noticed when he signed the contract, you know how the players today, when they get their entry level contract signed, they have the picture of them smiling, signing the picture. Yep. Did you notice he's bringing back the Kyle Turris chain? Nice. That's a pure sicko move right there, man. That's the first thing everyone noticed was that he had a chain around his neck and be like, Oh my God, he's bringing it back. Good stuff. Good stuff. So good. Maybe he'll make it up to the senators full time. Well, maybe. I mean, look at all the guys that we drafted this year that's already in the NHL, right? Yeah, no kidding. And despite being completely white, having a bunch of stars graduate from uh, Belleville up to Ottawa this season, Belleville hasn't been terrible. And you've got guys like Ridley Creek, Parker Kelly, uh, Solokov are all doing really well. Yep. And we can't forget the guys like, uh, even Matt Sogard. Like, he's come in and looked fantastic yeah so the cupboard is going to be quickly restocked after it was basically robbed this year and i'm loving it uh and i really think pierre dorian's done a very good job of keeping the pipeline intact i was gonna sorry i was gonna say is the 2020 draft in the last couple of years probably one of our more successful drafts where you've seen all these guys that got drafted next thing you know they're coming up to the nhl uh well i think yeah it's been a very productive draft uh i would people are weren't even like the fact that people weren't sure if uh, sanderson was going to make the jump or not just goes to show you just the quality of talent the senators pulled in um but the last few years have all been pretty good as well like uh with guys like shane pinto alex formanton drake batherson gbd JBD. Well, he's only yeah, played like a couple of games, but yeah. So it's you're you're seeing the fruit of strong drafting. Lassie Thompson is in the wings, and then we've been able to bring in elite young talent from trading out some of the vets. The vets like uh, Josh Norris is looking more and more oh, every day. Like a love that good bona fide uh, top line center. Eric Brandstrom's really filling into an elite. Defense. Like very good defenseman, I think once he gets bigger, he'll be elite. So yeah, times are good for the Senators, and uh, full credit to Pierre Dorian, Trent Mann, and uh, DJ Smith for guiding things along. Yeah, man, our future looks so bright, and especially for these games this week because we got two wins and an overtime loss to talk about. Well, guys, that wraps up top of the hour for this week, which can mean only one thing. Time to start talking about some games. Now, we've got three games on the schedule. We've got the two games between the Vancouver Canucks and Ottawa Senators, and the third game between the Sens and Le Canadien. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Canucks versus the Senators. This is a 2-1 to one Senators victory. Canucks goals are scored by Ole Yulevi. Sens goals are scored by Josh Norris and Drake Batherson. Shots were 27-26 for Ottawa. Josh Norris opens the scoring to make it 1-0 Senators after Brady intercepted the pocket center. Ole Yulevi gets Vancouver on the board to tie the game at 1 with a wrister from the point, And Drake Batherson scores to make it 2-1 Senators, which would be the final. So I had to condense watch this game, and it's always because when the Sens play on a Monday or a Sunday when we record, I tend to not watch them. I condense watch it because, you know, keep in mind, 
I record the podcast, I edit it, I upload it, I do everything. That's quite a time constraint, yeah. and it takes a lot of energy out of it. So let's start talking about this game. Marcus Hogberg, 25 saves, a .962 save percentage. The one moment that really sticks out for me is him in this game. The save on Tyler Myers with less than a second to go in that second period, pulling the puck off the line. Yeah, that's a real presence of mind save. Just to be able to keep a puck that is very rightfully going in, out. And what's weird about Hogberg is he'll make these really athletic saves and then flub an easy shot. Yeah, and it's true. And I think for Hogberg, it really has been a problem for them this year, especially early on. And I know other Sense podcasts have talked about it. Are you a believer that Marcus Hogberg will be gone after this season? I don't see where he fits. Yeah, I, I'm a believer in that. I Again, because I think next year, there's even debate whether Murray might even come back next year with the style expansion. But I think if if they go into next season, I think it'll probably be Murray, Decord, and Goss would be in the, in the A. Yeah, I see something like that because... Looking over the goalies this season, and uh, Ian Mendez touched on in his athletic article this afternoon, well, this morning, sorry. If you look at the save percentages, I don't think Seattle's going to take Decord. No. Over six games, he's still under 900. Uh, Murray's contract, I think, is expansion proof. So I think you protect Goose, and you see who Seattle takes. Because out of Ottawa's goaltenders, Gustafson does have the best record. It's true. And I think for next year, it's going to be interesting. Because, yes, I do see Murray Decord being the AHL players. In the American Hockey League, who backs up Goose, though? Is it Mandalese? It's either Mandalese or Sogard, yeah. That's going to be interesting for next year. Who's going to back up him in, in Belleville? Well, the other problem is, is the Sens don't have an ECHL affiliate right now. Honestly, that's an opportunity the Sens could have stepped in and bought the Brampton Beast of the ECHL and made them their ECHL affiliate. (laughs) But, you know, Brampton unfortunately went under, so sucks for them. No loss for us. Pretty much. Let's start talking about another player I want to talk about, Thomas Shabbat. Even though he only had three shots in this game, man, he looked smooth out there, especially on that move he made. On the almost goal by Colin White to dance around the defender. I was just like, holy crap, this is the Thomas Shabbat we haven't seen a ton of this season. And Thomas Shabbat was fantastic on the defense. Uh, Over 60% expected goals. And he was just, he was involved in both of the goals that actually did go in. No assists, but he was on the ice and yeah. Just smooth skating. Uh, But what more can we say about the Kachuk-Norris line? Oh, my God. The Chuck-Norris-Batherson? Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Oh, so good. So good. It was really good puck play, beginning to end, and I'm surprised that they didn't have a third goal. Braden Holtby played a really good game. He did. And that was the one thing I noticed. Sorry, that's one thing I really noticed in the condensed game was that they play, he played really well, 
And Holpe's one of these guys that he's such an emotional goalie that if he lets in a couple of goals, he he's not like Robin Leonard who you would just snap in the net, but you could definitely tell the anger and the emotion behind the mask when he gets scored on. Because Holtby and Demko are the only things really holding this Canucks team together. And that's a very tenuous, tenuous use of the word together. Because, God, even though Ottawa wasn't running up the shot clock, their shot selection was impeccable. Everything was between the dots. So, you know, Tim, we were just talking about the, the Chuck Norris Batherson line, and these are the three final players I want to talk about. So I'm going to let you choose. Which guy do you want to talk about first? Brady, Josh, or Drake the Snake? Let's do Batherson. Okay, Drake Batherson. One goal and two shots. The one thing about Drake that really surprises me, watching him in these games still, nobody covers him. You got to realize that Drake Batherson's one of these guys that you leave him open... He's going to burn you. He's just like Josh Norris. He's like Tim Stutzla. When he puts it in, the guy's deadly. Well, what I've noticed about a lot of teams is Brady Kachuk will often draw two players, which means that the other forward has to make a choice. And who do you leave open? Do you leave a high slot point, which then Brady Kachuk can just take advantage of in the melee he's causing in front of the net? Do you leave Josh Norris open to wield a puck or do you leave Batherson open who has a lethal shot and the fact of the matter is, is Batherson can get himself open to boot yeah you know what coming into 21-22 I think this right here this is going to be the number one line next year that's not even an exaggeration I know that first thing the Sens got to do this season they got to sign Brady but they also got to sign Drake Batherson because he's also Wait. an RFA this year too so I guess we'll talk a little bit about Brady as well, because he had two assists and one shot. The one thing, and it's such a veteran move, intercepting the pockets at center ice. And the nice thing about Brady is that you can tell this guy's such a heart and soul guy, because you know what? He had a chance to shoot it. He looked over and saw Josh standing there, and Josh, that little that little move where he kind of did a little like snake and then shot it. Oh, so good. Apparently they practiced that stuff. Yeah, because there was a video, I think, who the hell was it? Not, I think it was TSN or something they put up on their Instagram page of Josh Norris taking shots after practice. Yeah, and you love to see it when a line just clicks. Josh Norris is moving into elite territory when it comes to defensive and offensive puck movement. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, unironically, that Josh Norris's ceiling is Patrice Bergeron. Oh, do you mean that if we play Toronto in the playoffs, that Josh Norris will bury him in Game 7 of the OT? Yes. I love that clip. I'm going to go rewatch that later on tonight. <laughs> Actually, let's talk about Josh Norris, because he had a goal on four shots. I don't think this is a hot take, but this kid really has been, and I use arguably in quotation marks, our best player outside of Shabbat and Dechuk, because I think the only other player that would have that honor is his linemate, Drake Batherson. Yeah, and it's interesting that for a player that came over in a big trade and didn't have a ton of fanfare, that he's coming and you're starting to see the stats nerds and uh, the TSN guys sing this guy's praises. So he's here, he's real, and I think he's eventually going to be elite. 
if he isn't already there. Honestly, yeah, I would say give it another year of development and he's going to be 100% elite. Because there would be nothing that stops him at that point. 100%. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments out of this game if you want to head into the second game of the evening. Yeah, let's do it. Canucks versus Senators. This is a 6-3 Ottawa Senators victory. Canucks scored recorded by Tyler Myers, Jake Bertanen, and Brandon Sutter. Senators scored recorded by Victor Mate, Chris Tierney, Josh Norris. Hudson Bacho! Brady Tuchuk and Colin White. Shots were 32-22 for Ottawa. Victor Mekde opens the scoring for Ottawa to make it 1-0. Chris Tierney cleans up the rebound on the Chapot point shot to make it 2-0. Josh Norris scores to make it 3-0 on a Brady Tuchuk's second effort. Tyler Myers gets Vancouver on the board to make it 3-1 Senators. Thomas Chabot scores to make it 4-1. Jake Vertanen scores on a wide open net to make it 4-2. Brady Tuchuk streaks in a wrist one home to make it 5-2 Senators. Colin White hits the empty manner to make it 6-2, and Brandon Sutter scores to make it 6-3 Senators, which would be the final. Okay, so you know, before we recorded this segment, I mentioned I have a little bit of a bone to pick here. This was a game that I was actually very excited because I was following it on my phone at work. Hopefully my bosses didn't hear that. Not the point. But anyway, so I was following the game, and we, I saw we went up 6-2, and I was like, oh, man, I'm so going to go home and watch this game. I can't wait. I can't wait. I get home. The game was blacked out on Game Center. Because this would have technically been a local broadcast for the Canucks, which means those games are blacked out. And I didn't record it on cable. So I got fucked out of this game. This is something that I haven't talked about at all this year. Because honestly, the Sens games out here have not been blacked out for us. I know a lot of people in Ontario have bitched and bitched and bitched about this. About the number of blacked out games that Rogers and TSN are doing with their NHL coverage. And they're thinking, well look, it's a condensed COVID season. Why don't you just let us watch every single game? I, under, I don't know why they wouldn't do that. I don't know. I'm not a business major. I'm not a head of TSN or Rogers. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me because, A, I live on the West Coast. I have Game Center. And my team's in the East Coast. Doesn't bother me. The one game of the year, though, that it blocks out is always versus Vancouver. So, honestly, this was a... I don't know which guy I want to talk about first between Brady and Shabbat, so... Let's just talk about the general team play. Okay, go ahead. Because this is a game that the Senators were wired into from start to finish. Usually you see score effects take over once a team goes up by three. Yep. Ottawa never really let Vancouver into this game. It was solid, tight checking by the Senators at all ends of the ice. All four lines were active. All four lines were rewarded. All the defense pairings looked great. And uh, DJ Smith was positively glowing at the end of this game. Ottawa dismantled a Vancouver Canucks team that has clearly given up. Can I say right now, is this probably the most dominant game the Ottawa Senators have played this season? Hands down? Uh, I think so, unless we count 
the third period of the Ottawa five bowl comeback Ooh, as it's okay. okay. Hmm. Hmm. I was going to say from start to finish, I think. Start to finish, this is. Hands down. Yeah, I think the 5-1 comeback is. Oh, the 4 nothing victory over Montreal was dominant as well. That's, yeah, that's true. That's true, but we didn't score six goals in that game, though. That's true, that's true. Yeah. So, like I said, like, I didn't know which guy I want to talk about first, because they had pretty equal point totals between Shabbat and Dechuk. Which guy do you want to talk about first, Thomas or Brady? Thomas Shabbat. Okay, let's talk about Thomas. One goal, one assist on three shots. I This is another reason I was so pissed I missed this game. Because I watched it in Game Center. I was like, holy crap. Oh, Thomas Shabbat, man. The guy just danced in this game. And it was oh. so good to watch. Well, it's like, the whole ice was Thomas Shabbat's office. And I'm going to read you a stat line here. Okay. Thomas Shabbat, when you adjust... For score effects, all that sort of stuff. 85% of expected goals. I'm gonna 85%. Now listen, I'm not a mathematician, nor am I a stats guy. I'm gonna say that's very good. That's absurd. Really? Thomas Shabbat dominated. So 50% is even. That means that when Thomas Shabbat was on the ice, Ottawa got 80% of the basically the chances on the ice. Vancouver got less than 20%. So it was basically all Ottawa whenever Shabbat was on the ice. That's insanity. Yeah. Actually, can I say one thing, because you bring it up stats guy, is that it has nothing to do with this game, but I believe it was last week, Micah Blake McCurdy responded to one of my tweets. Nice. So basically, somebody on Twitter says the Stutzla 18, White 36, Dadanoff 63 line is a math boy dream. 3 times 6 and 6 times 3 both equal 18. Also, 1, place, one plus 8 equals 9. 3 plus, you know. <laughs> and yeah, so this whole thing. And then I had a basically, I don't know if you could see that. That's uh, mathematicians be like. Yeah. And make Micah Blake McCurdy sent out a tweet. It says shapes rule, numbers drool. And it's like a tweet from like five years ago. I mean, so good. He's right. Once you get to a certain point in math, you stop using numbers. Anyway, yeah. So Thomas Shabbat, like, I don't even know what to say, man. Like, that's so awesome. Yeah, that's the that's the auto that's the Thomas Shabbat that we think about when we he is our top defenseman. But uh, Branstrom and Zub looked really good too. Like, nowhere near the same level as Shabbat, but they played really well, and the Mete Brown line was actually pretty darn good, too. Another guy, actually, and you, you brought up Victor Mete. I think for next season, it's going to be very interesting if the Sens bring Mete back, because, you know, with JBD, Sanderson might be making the jump next year. Excuse me, if they keep uh, Zub, if Zaitsev doesn't go to Seattle... Who gets that sixth defense spot, Brashram or Mete? Because that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough one. Because Brashram really hasn't looked overly amazing at times, and Victor Mete has come in and looked really good. Well, it's like I think you keep Mete at least for the short term, uh, because I like Sanderson is still a year away. I don't think Zaitsev's going anywhere, and we'll see what JBD does. We'll see how long 
see what other players are still in Bellevue, still around. And I think that Shabbat, Branstrom, Mete is a very good left side. And then whatever Ottawa puts on the right, be it uh, JVD or Zaitsev or what have you, I think uh, that'll be the interesting thing. Uh, the variable, of course, is that Sanderson comes in and plays left deep. Lefty, does DJ Smith finally let Branstrom play on his preferred side? Maybe. It, it could be, man. You, you could see it. We haven't seen it yet, so. Because Branstrom's still young. Mm-hmm. Whenever he's in the AHL, he just absolutely tears it up and he plays the NHL level competently. So I think Branstrom's going to be good. Yeah, I'm not questioning whether Branstrom's going to be good. I just think that when you watch him play. I still think DJ Smith might hurt his confidence when he, again, when he, like CeCe, when the guy used to make one mistake and you staple him to the bench. Yeah. That's not, a, that's not a good way to do for Branstrom. And yeah, what you could put him in the A, but really how much could you really do there? Cause that's he's proven true. that he can dominate there. Yeah. And it's, it's true. It's, and uh, we like this game was nice though. Cause Branstrom at least got to play 17 minutes. So, like, Branstrom got a good amount of ice. He did. Another guy who actually got a lot of ice, Brady Tuchuk. One goal, one assist on six shots. I think the one thing that really warms my heart every time I see it is Frank the Tank dance when he scores. Oh, just a little shuffle? Oh, that's my Brady. I feel so happy. It makes me, a happy Brady is a happy tank because it's really so good to see it. And it's funny because I didn't know what he was trying to do until, who the fuck was it? Not Ian Mendez. Somebody on, t- one of the reporters asked him about that. And he's just like, yeah, it's uh, from Frank the Tank from old school. Basically, he told the story like he was watching all kinds of Will Ferrell movies at home. And he was commenting that was one of the dads from old school. But the other thing that really stuck out for me was that he was talking about when they were watching Anchorman. And you know the scene where... Uh, Breck burns his tongue on the coffee. Yep. Apparently, t- Tim Stutzler burnt his tongue eating nachos when that scene happened, and he <laughs> instantly thinks that. And I have this image in my head of Tim Stutzler burning his tongue on nacho cheese and cursing in German. It's just really fucking funny, though. It is hilarious. It's so good. Yeah, no, so if that's the story behind the Frank Tank dance, I'm all for it. Yeah. Now... <sighs> Sorry, Victor Mete, obviously one goal and one a shot. We mentioned that in top of the air for the first Sens goal. Josh Norris. I think we already mentioned this. One goal and one shot to Chuck Norris Batherson. Chef's kiss. So good. So good. Just like the Frank the Tang dance. Yeah. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make of this game if you just want to head off to the third and final game of the evening. Uh, The only thing I can say about this one is... uh... Both the goalies had a rough one. I wonder if there was something fucky with the ice. I don't know. Because Demko and Hogberg both looked bad. Well, Demko was hung out to dry. Hogberg, uh, he was fighting it. Sens versus Canadians. This is a 3-2 Canadians overtime victory. Sens goal scored by Tam And show Canadian goals are scored by Jeff Petrie, Tyler Defoley, and 
Cole Caulfield in overtime for his first NHL goal. Shots were 39-23 for the Canadiens. A somewhat even game throughout, both teams came out flying, creating scoring chances and getting shots early on, but as the game went on, it became clear that both teams were a bit gassed heading into the third period, where Montreal ended up getting back in the game, tying the game, and winning an overtime, overtime after Ottawa took a 2-0 lead. This game was a bit... It was a good game for the first two periods. I thought the Senators played a really good road game, and then just they fell off after the Shabbat goal. Yeah, and I think that was something that you and I commented before we started recording was that you can tell like both teams were gassed by the second period, especially Ottawa. Ottawa just kind of looked like they were just running on empty at that point. But you made an interesting comment because Montreal had been the team that they played the night before, so why Ottawa ended up looking like that, we don't know. Well, it's interesting. Uh, Ottawa was expecting to have Alex Formanton in the lineup. And uh, he couldn't play because he fell ill. So uh, Abadio ended up getting into the lineup. And this is just a game where kind of got away from them a bit. Okay, show of hands if you forgot that Abadio was a senator. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, go ahead. Because like, up until that last 5-10 five, ten, five, ten minutes, Ottawa looked to be in a very commanding position. And it's funny because like as far as the... Like, you look at the stat lines, it doesn't look like Ottawa got blown the fuck out. But in those last five minutes, Ottawa got blown the fuck out. And it could have very easily gone to, not gone to overtime. Oh, yes. Yeah, and that was something that I was following yet on my phone at work. Again, hopefully the bosses aren't listening. But, and that was the one thing I noticed was that, yeah, we were up 2 nothing. I was like, oh, that's great. That's good. Oh, fuck. Montreal tied it. Ah, shit, Montreal won? That's not good. No, not at all. But it's heartening to see that the Senators were able to play a good game for a good part of it. One thing that definitely didn't help was Branstrom was not having a great game. No, the fact that he got burned by Jeff Petrie on that first goal, that really set the tone right there. Yeah. And then uh, the poor guy got basically stapled to the bench after he was involved in both Montreal goals. And Zub was having a rough night as well. Mete and Brown were able to stabilize things a bit. But Shabbat had to play 30 minutes. Site 7, 20-some. It wasn't the greatest game for the Senators' defensive depth. It's true. Now, before we talk about Thomas Shabbat, who had one goal on three shots, let's talk about the goalie. Philip Gustafson, 36 saves, a .923 save percentage. I don't know about you. I actually thought he played a really good game in this one. And honestly, I can't really blame him on those goals, if I'm no. being honest. All of the, like, the Petri goal was a bit of a weird knuckleball goal, mm-hmm. despite Branson getting burned. But the Toffoli goal was a laser, and Caulfield just dummied Kachuk and Shabbat. It's true. It, so yeah, Gustafsson. Uh, if he had made a, if he had a miracle in him, Ottawa would have won that game. But you can't expect that out of a goalie. And a point nine two percent save percentage on a game where you let three in is that's a freaking incredible effort. And I like what I'm seeing out of Goose. And uh, I wouldn't mind Goose getting more games down, kind of to close out to really see what we've got on him. Very much so. Because I think after 
after Thursday's performance by Hogberg, I think I'm ready to see what Goose has and if the organization just moves on from Hoggy. I think so. So let's talk about Thomas Shabbat. One goal and three shots. Again, the guy looked fantastic in this game, and he was just dancing on the blue line earlier in that game. Yeah, and what else can you say? When he was on the ice, at least, like, throughout most of the game, it was all Ottawa, Montreal couldn't really get any momentum going, and then you could tell he kind of ran out of gas. Yeah, it's really, really a shame, man. But uh, how many, he played over 30 in that game, didn't he? Yeah, okay, so that, that makes a little bit of sense. So there's a couple more guys I want to talk about. Tim Stutzla, our friend of the show, bottom of the pod. One goal on two shots. I really liked him in this game. And again, I mentioned this earlier when we were talking about Matt Barzell on top of the hour. I cannot believe the amount of shit he takes from the Habs. You know, because he got fucking hit in the face. He gets cross-checked in the neck. I'm just like, Jesus, like, what is going... When is... You know what? And bet you anything... Stutzla's going to pull a Josh Norris and he's going to snap and he's going to drop the gloves with one of these guys. Yeah. Because how much more can Stutzla take from him? Or from them, I should say, not from him. Well, it's like at least some of the stuff gets called. Ottawa was given an extended five on three, which you almost never see. Yeah, they didn't get much on that either. They didn't get much on it, but at least... At least they got the call. Yeah. I was going to ask, because in the first period, I know Connor Brown, he beat Caden Primo clean and hit the crossbar. And I think there's a couple of crossbars in the first period. How different of a game do you think this would be if we had scored on those? Oh, I think Montreal would be dead in water. Because that is a fragile team. I'm actually really surprised that they were able to rally. Yeah. And honestly, I thought Caden Primo looked pretty good for the Habs in this game. Yeah, it's... Like, he was tested pretty well, honestly. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Ottawa just kept ringing him off posts. Yeah, I'm actually amazed I didn't talk with uh, Chris Katugas about this because Katugas actually messaged me, after, I think, either before the overtime or after the overtime. I should have asked him about that because I know that was something that we mentioned when we had him on the show for our Eastern Conference portion. So the other only comment I want to make on this game, the Josh Norris fight. Who would have thought Josh had that in him? Especially going after Romanoff, of all people. Well, the nice thing is, is if you... Romanoff seems like the sort of guy that... If you put him in his place, he'll fuck off. And that was something you noticed in this game. And even, like, the commentators, you can tell they were trying so hard to pump Romanoff's tires. Because he's like, oh, yeah, Romanoff's a real tough guy. He got a couple in. And they're like... No, he didn't. He barely ass. he barely got the fucking gloves off. Norris was fucking feeding him. Yeah, well, what's kind of funny is all of Ottawa's skilled players are also willing to just throw lugs. Yeah. I like often, Norris, got, Norris will fight. Yep. Kachuk fights all the time. I often wonder how much of this really contributes to Brady Kachuk. Because you know Brady is probably going, okay, guys, you know what? You're in the NHL now. You're going to have to stick up for yourself. Maybe. And at what point does he tell... Yes, exactly. At what point does he tell Stutzla that too, right? Probably at the point where Stutzla fills out a little more. It's true, man. But, no, I was really amazed. Sorry, not Branstrom. I think uh, Batherson's thrown a few bombs as well. 
Has he? I think he has. I think he I, has. I don't think he's fought yet this year, if I off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, while you're looking that up, Tim, I actually do want to make a comment here. I didn't include it in our notes. I know you didn't include this in your notes. I was watching the game, and I noticed Artem Zub, if you noticed at times, his skate lace was wrapped around the boot. Now, this only... Now, to and nobody, and nobody this really matters, but it matters to me because I noticed. Because, you know, and I've talked about the guy played drop-in hockey pre-COVID when we were allowed to play in the ranks and whatever. And so for myself, I always made sure, and that's one thing I hated about skates. I could never get them tight to the point where I know they're not going to come loose. The second they come loose, you're fucked. You're yeah. going to be wobbling down the ice like this. And so I came up with this, it's not a groundbreaking idea, but it's an idea where I bought two pairs of laces because they always have one really long and one kind of shorter lace in the pack. So I took the two really long laces. I did my skates up. I tied them. So you know how you, you have your boot, you get the two yeah. laces, you kind of, you know, you tighten them up and you cross them over like this. Yeah. I did that and I wrapped it around my boot and tied it and I kept it nice and tight and I put the sock over it. That's what I noticed. Artem Zub did the same thing. And I was like, oh my God, it's not just me. I like I'll it. The, I'll do that as well when I'm skating outside. Yeah, it's not as stupid as you think. And I, keep in mind, I have wax laces too, so they shouldn't come loose. But I've used those laces, and they have come undone, and they are a fucking pain, and I've tripped over them. Ugh. Safety also, first. Batherson has one fight in the NHL, one fight in the A. Yeah. He's good for about one fight a year. Has he has he fought this year? Not this year, but uh, his last fight was against Winnipeg in one of our last games in 2020. Oh, okay. And then in the A, he fought March 2019, and then he has one fight a year in the Q. Solid. Yeah, so no, Batherson throws bombs too. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make on this game if you just want to head off into the close for another evening. The nice thing is, is it looks like the third period collapse is going to be an aberration the ottawa senders defeated the winnipeg jets two to one tonight unfortunately ottawa has been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs with their loss to montreal but i don't think the playoffs were a real thing no. anyway it was fun just keeping the hope alive apparently we lost thomas shabbat in this game too today oh, that's not good. yeah he got hurt in the first period like the guy i think hit him from behind well let's watch the tape on that one i hope dps does yeah, it's true. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network. You can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901HoneyBadger. I'm at GreatWhiteGipster, G-R-8-W-I-T-E-Gipster. If you want to choose an email to talk about the games, top of the R, or... You want to give your thoughts on the Josh Norris fight against Alex Romanoff? Shoot us an email. Third Life Plug Sensecast at gmail.com. Okay, Tim, so we got three games on the schedule for this week. We've got the 2 to 1 Sens victory versus the Winnipeg Jets from this evening. Wednesday night, we will be playing the Montreal Canadiens at home. And then Saturday, we will be traveling to Winnipeg to play the Winnipeg Jets. Sounds good. Sounds good. And. You know, 
it's been really nice to talk about more wins than losses. I'm actually shocked that we got to 20 wins. To be perfectly honest, you remember earlier this year, I said if we win four, I'll shit bricks. We uh, have... Where's the brick? Oh, you mean the four tons of it behind me? Uh, gotcha, gotcha. But uh, granted, Winnipeg has been uh, listless for the last month or so. So I guess not to sell the Senators short, but no, like they've been playing really good hockey. A lot of the teams in Canada have just unraveled. This is such a fucking meme division. Holy shit. I know. Thankfully, we'll probably go back to, you know, the normal divisions next season. Great fingers Which crossed. is equally terrifying because you get Tampa, Tampa, Florida, and Boston back in. But also we get Buffalo and Detroit back. Yeah. That Atlantic division really was like the haves and have-nots split where you have, like, three good teams, the have, sorry, three elite teams, the haves, and everyone else. Yeah, that's pretty much. Did I forget about a team? Mm, I don't think so. No. Because, like, Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit were in the shitter. The haves exist. Yeah. The Pruitt... And then you have the Bruins, Florida, Tampa, and the Leafs are elite. Yeah, until the playoffs when the Leafs turn out to not be elite. They just get deleted. Yeah, well, to be fair, they're going to have the easiest route to the Cup this year. Yeah, watch if they get knocked off in the first round again. Oh, that'll be hilarious if they get knocked off again. If they get knocked off this year, I think Dubas, Dubas is out. Because that would be beyond embarrassing true until next week guys i am your host taylor gibson and this has been tim johnson go sands guys so